business and bourbon. I had the pleasure of sharing the stage with him. He was a rock star. I work at a company called Park Mobile. I'm the CEO there, very out there on social media. And so yeah. if anyone's having a problem, they don't call our customer service team. They just message me directly. Yeah. If I'm not going to answer my customers, what good am I as CEO? Jeff's company has 28 million users and growing. Some of you are out there with a few dozen customers that you're ducking. I'm not saying that you need to be cleaning toilets and everything. No, but you can't disconnect from the front line. Before it was like, I was letting everyone else define me. Then I started defining myself as a marketing executive, right? And suddenly things started to happen. You're only gonna be able to move to the job you want if people understand what you're all about and what you can bring to the table. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. My name is Ronnell Richards, and I am the creator and host of Business and Bourbon. If you're a longtime listener of our podcast, then no doubt, you're familiar with the term entrepreneur porn. This is a concept I've been talking about since the very beginning, and it's something that I fight every day to combat. If you're unfamiliar with it, let me tell you what it is. Entrepreneur porn is everything that we're inundated with in popular media that oversimplifies success and oversimplifies entrepreneurship. It's superficial, it's fluff, and it doesn't really prepare you to win. That's why Business and Bourbon, we invite great guests to help you win by giving you actionable advice, giving you specific direction, sharing their story, sharing their truth so that you can learn from their example. Today's guest, Jeff Perkins, found himself in a position just like many of you. You made the right decisions in life. You went to the right school. You got a good job, but you're just not attaining that level of success that you want for yourself. Well, fast forward to today, Jeff is the CEO of Park Mobile, one of the fastest growing tech companies in the country. He stopped in the bar, told me about his journey, told me about his story, and shared some very specific direction and advice that all of you can benefit from. I'm super excited about this episode, and I know you guys are going to get tons of value from it. So now it's time. Go grab your glass, grab your cup, grab your mug. Fill it with your very favorite beverage. Have a seat down next to us here at the bar because it's time to enjoy a little business and bourbon. Welcome to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. My name is Ronnell Richards, and I am your host. I'm your excited host. You know why? Part of the reason I'm so excited, it is fall in Atlanta. And, you know, let me tell you something. There are very few better places to be in this country than Atlanta, Georgia in the fall. And I'm sitting here at the King and Duke. I've got an amazing guest that I can't wait to introduce you guys to. I'm having a great cocktail. Life is good. Life is good. So let's go ahead and get this party started. I just want to bring on... Our guest, this guy, I had the pleasure of sharing the stage with him. I think it was probably two years ago, and he was a rock star. And <laughs> I'm on this stage, and I'm like, oh, my God, who is this guy? And at some point, we, we must have him on Business and Bourbon. And as it worked out, here we are two years later. I am sitting with Mr. Jeff Perkins. What's happening, Jeff? Hey, Renell. It's, it's good to be here. But I, So the last time I saw you, yeah. you were dressed really well. You had on this, like blazer and yep. the cool socks and the jeans. I, I was like, 
That guy knows how to dress. <laughs> I was wearing like a a park mobile jacket. I, I looked yeah. like a total schlep. So today, you know, I rolls I, like, reverse. I, like, I got to dress up because if I'm going to see Ronell, I got to look good. And now you're wearing a hat. And, yeah, and man. You're, you're in your athleisure gear. You yes. look good still. But, Thank you. Um, so you I, got, I got to keep you on your toes, <laughs> right. man. You know, that's funny. Yes. I knew that you were going to be on the panel. We had some other people on the panel. I'm like, you know what? I can't get shown up on this panel. So yeah, <laughs> I, I came out trying to make sure I was suited and booted, looking like a million bucks, but you were looking very executive today. You're looking like <laughs> that casual new CEO, you know, like the current, the millennial CEO. Right, that's what I'm gonna call you, the millennial. Maybe we'll even call this episode the millennials. <laughs> I don't think I'm a millennial. I don't. I don't think I qualify. But it's the look. Okay. You look very in control, but casual, but not too casual. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Well, the millennials that work at my company will be like, Jeff is totally not a millennial. <laughs> he is. The, he is an old dude. But I, they follow your lead. So before we <laughs> kind of hop into this and talk a little bit about you and and what you're up to. What are you drinking? Because that's the first thing that people have to know. What are we drinking? So I am drinking the um, old-fashioned that they do here at King yes. & Duke, which is excellent. Isn't it? Uh, it's so good. It's like one of their signature cocktails. Yeah, I love it. And I've got the placebo. Yeah, guys, I know. This is a mocktail. Every now and then I like to mix up the mocktail. But, man, it's a delicious drink. So let's go ahead and virtually clink that yeah, up. There you go. Bam. Mm. So, Jeff, for those that, that don't know... Would you mind introducing yourself? Tell them what it is that you do, my friend. So I work at a company called Park Mobile. I'm the CEO there. I've been there now about uh, four years. Uh, I started as the head of marketing and then took on product responsibilities and then eventually uh, moved into the CEO role about uh, two months ago. Congratulations. So relatively new job for me. Um, and hopefully everyone who's listening and watching uh, has the Park Mobile app on their phone we're the number one app to pay for parking, so we let you skip the meter and pay for parking right on your mobile device. How many users on the platform now? So we have about 28 million users Jeez. on the platform, So and we acquire a million about every 30 days. So uh, really high volume transaction business, tons of users, which is great. It's also um, a little bit scary because you know, I'm very out there on social media, and so yeah. if anyone's having a problem with the Park Mobile app, <laughs> they don't they don't call our customer service team. They they just message me directly. Yeah. And so while I'm the CEO, I'm also a customer service rep for Park Mobile as well. You know what? I I kind of thought about that a little bit because I know that you've done such a great job on owning your personal brand and being out there and accessible on social media. So what is that like to be, you know, the CEO of a company like this that that has so many users? And have people have access to you like that? Yeah. Like it's scary. How, yeah, <laughs> it's super scary. <laughs> so how do you how do you yeah. manage it? I mean, do you, do you reply to all direct messages, or I mean, what do you do? Yeah, well, if someone reaches out to me on social media, I try to be as helpful as possible. Yeah. you know, my my rule always is when they reach out to me, especially when it's an issue, you know, the number one rule is is you empathize, right? Yeah. Because you know, listen, we do every day half a million parking transactions across the country. So it's high volume. So inevitably, something will go wrong. So yeah. if less than 1% go wrong, that's a lot of people who are going to be mad, even though the vast majority you know, have no issue. And so the key is just empathizing and telling it like, hey, I know it's frustrating, and let me try to see if I can help you. Yeah. Uh, and, and usually people that reach out are very surprised that I respond because they just thought they could vent and just, you know, be mad. But yeah. then I reach out and they, 
you know, usually once you talk to them about it, they're like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And, and the challenge with our business is that a lot of times the problems that a user is having are beyond our control, right? So, it, you know, the city sets the price for parking. So mm -hmm. we don't set the price. But if people are mad about what they're paying for parking, they get mad at Park Mobile. Um, the city decides what payment methods you can use with Park Mobile. Yeah. You know, so if you want to use Amex, yes. and the city the city doesn't let you use Amex, which yeah. I, I think I almost Atlanta. sent you an email about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we accept everything. If you want to use Apple Pay, Google Pay, Amex, whatever you want to use. Yeah. Um, but not every city will accept those payment methods. Yeah. But still, people get mad at Park Mobile about that. But it, it's fine. And, and I actually like the feedback I get from consumers um, just because it, you know, it helps us kind of understand what the issues are. It helps us get better. And I think that's a great share and a unique challenge, but not a unique challenge, right? And here's what I mean by this. You know, I work with a lot of ex executives in the technology and telecom realm, and everyone's focused on building their personal brands right now, making sure they're doing more on business, social media, but that also opens them up to this sort of challenge. So you're kind of like at the forefront of that. And yeah. so it's interesting to hear kind of how you've approached that. And I don't know if it will always be that way because, <laughs> I, I mean, you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on. It may be kind of hard to, to respond to those messages. So, you know, I'm interested as the community is interested in seeing how that journey continues for you. And, you know, as, as your company continues to grow and, you know, your brand is out there, like how different ways that, that you're able to still help and serve the customers that are reaching out to you, but right. but while while not neglecting your duties as CEO. Yeah, well, I mean, everything is a, a prioritization exercise in life, right? You yeah. know, I'm a dad. I have two girls. I want to make sure I'm a good dad. Yeah, I'm a CEO. I want to make sure I'm a good CEO. You know, so you have to balance everything. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, if customers are angry and they're they're taking the time to reach out to me as the CEO. Um, I, I have to listen. I have to yeah. see what's going on there. Um, and I, I, I always say to people, I said, you know, not responding is the worst possible thing. Isn't it? Do, right? Yep. I mean, unless someone's so nasty that it's just not worth it. Uh, but most people who are reaching out are having legitimate issues or legitimate questions. And listen, I, I have a LinkedIn profile. I put myself out there. I have a Twitter profile. I put myself out there. So if I'm not going to answer my customers yeah you know what good am i as ceo man listen i want you guys to to really take note of that and remember what jeff just said because you know there are some of you out there you know jeff's company has 28 million users and growing some of you are out there with a few dozen customers that you're ducking like <laughs> when you when you take that title and you lead an organization you've got to lead it from top to bottom man you got to step in there and be willing to to do some of the things, you know, one of the things that I've seen a lot, Jeff, maybe you've seen this too, is that as people move up that ladder, as they, they get those bigger titles, they get further and further removed from the work. Mm -hmm. They get further and further removed. And, and in my opinion, that's to their detriment. And I don't, and hear me out, guys. I'm not saying that once you become CEO, you need to be cleaning toilets. and everything. No, but <laughs> you can't disconnect from the front lines. You can't disconnect with what your customers and your employees are feeling. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think that point is so spot on that if you, as a, as a CEO, kind of move up to the executive floor, 
Yeah. Uh, and you're you're you know getting the catered lunches brought in, and you never see the the people that are working in the company. You're never interfacing with your customers or clients. Um, you are not going to do a very good job as the leader <laughs> of that organization. Yeah. I, I think one of the the hardest things about COVID in the last you know year and a half has been that we're not in the office anymore. Mm-hmm. So. I can't walk around the halls and just oh. see what's going on. Take and, the temperature, take you know, the pulse. See yeah. people around the you know the coffee machine and just chat them up and you know do the the drive-bys uh, to people's desks and see what's happening, and and that's really hard. I mean, I hate Zoom calls and I hate virtual meetings, even though it's it's helped us a lot during this period and it's yeah. been necessary. But man, I want to get back into the office, and um, it's going to be a hard transition because a lot of a lot of our um, people are living best life at home, and they you, like it. But you know I want to be though? in the office because I need to see people. I need to hear what's going on. Because, yeah. I mean, I have meetings all day on Zoom, but I worry about the people I'm not having meetings with. Like, yeah. What's going on in their world, right? And so I think that's really um, critical for leaders. You can't stay in your office. You can't stay on the executive floor. you got to be in there in the trenches with the teams to really, really see what's going on, see what the problems are see the things that you need to focus on as a leader that that needs solving agreed i love that but i want to dig into something you just talked about and that's that transition that transition back now i've got an opinion on this um that may be different than than a bunch of people out there but i kind of had a jump start on this virtual world you know about 15 years ago i created a company and um, a sales organization within that company it's, it's, it's sales focus sales marketing and my goal was to make it a virtual company. I wanted mm-hmm. everyone to work from home, right? And so I learned some things through that experience that I think kind of put me ahead of a lot of folks that are just experiencing this in the past year. And so that to to you to you know what you had just mentioned as far as the challenge and moving back, let's dig into that a little mm-hmm. bit. What do you foresee as being the the challenge in bringing people back into the office environment? Right. Well, I think people have, over the last 18 months, gotten used to being virtual, mm-hmm. right? And they've learned how to work remotely, and they've learned how to be productive remotely. And that's great. I mean, we, we've, we had a great year last year from a, a business perspective. We launched a lot of products. We, we won a lot of deals. So on paper, you're like, great job. We could all be virtual all the time, right? Yeah. But... This year, we started to see people, uh, more people leaving the company than, than usual, right? And why are they leaving the company? Because if we are all virtual, we're just a paycheck, right? Mm. And so you can make a paycheck at Park Mobile. You can make a paycheck at Microsoft. Probably make a better paycheck at Microsoft and be <laughs> virtual, right? And so, so that's, that's the thing that we're dealing with now is if you are virtual, you can't have a culture. And if, if you think oh, man. If, if you think as a company culture is, in person, is an important thing, uh, you got it. You got to have people together. Yeah. And now, listen, I don't think you have to be in the office every single day. And this comes from a guy who has worked his entire career in an office five days a week. You know, I've never been virtual. I mean, be, the whole move to virtual work has been really hard for me because I'm, yeah. you know, I'm an older guy, and I, I, it's like I'm used to being in the office, butts and seats. And, um, and so that was a transition, but I really think we're going to change the way we work because of the last year and a half, but I, I, it can't be just virtual. And the way I'm thinking about the transition back 
is that we're going to work some days at home, and that's fine. But when you're at home, you should be heads down just doing stuff, right? Those are your, those are your days where you're cranking out, you're in the spreadsheets, you're building PowerPoints, you're writing documents. It's heads down work. But yeah. when you're in the office, I want you in the conference rooms. I want you collaborating. I want you I on the whiteboard, it. right? So, yeah. so those are your collaboration days. So it's your heads down days at home. It's your collaboration days at work. And I think that's going to be a real change. But but if we can do that as a business, then we could get people back to the office, collaborating, being together, and having a lot more fun. Because yeah. I, I don't know. We Listen, we tried the Zoom happy hours. We tried the Zoom culture events. You never tried the business and bourbon virtual whiskey experience. I, I'm but sure it's awesome. Well, it's I'm, amazing. I'm sure it's Look awesome. But I'd like the business and bourbon in-person experience a so lot better. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's what I want, and that's what's more fun. Yeah. And so, yeah, virtually you can do some things, but there's nothing that can recreate people being together, working together, collaborating together, having fun together. And that's that's what we have to get back to. I love that. And, um, you know, so, so what I learned, Jeff, in my experience 15 years ago when, when, when we went through this is that a couple of things, many things, but a couple of things that, that are really relevant here. When, when you don't have separation from home and work, you work a lot, yeah. right? So a lot of that spreadsheet work, that sort of head down in, in, in the computer and just just churning out work. Problem is, is there's this whole mental health component that comes in after that, right? right. Like your quality of life, right? Which, which I would submit might also contribute to people being willing to leave a company pretty easy, you know, once they're, when they're in that virtual environment because... When you're in that virtual environment and you're working, you know, uh, sun up to sun down because there is no separation. Right. You don't. You're not. You don't have to get in your car to go anywhere. And so, your office is is your bedroom. It becomes a much shittier way of living, right? <laughs> right? So like, so the grass starts looking greener. Anyway, so I noticed there was that issue, and then the other part was socialization. And in my world, in the sales world, salespeople need socialization. Right. Like. It's hard. It's hard to grind yeah. all day. It's hard to make calls all day. It's hard. To, and if you don't have that, that water cooler talk, as you and I were talking yeah. about before we, we, we went live here, or that uh, just that peer that's next to you that you can lean on and, 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 and motivate each other, inspire each other, or that collaborative time that you're talking about, it becomes really difficult. Yeah. So I love where you're going in terms of, thinking how you bounce it because i don't to your point that ship is sailed like right. full-time in the office i don't know that we will see that again um but i think there's absolutely a need for that balance and not just from the executive's perspective mm -hmm. but i'm telling you that the people executives the people that report to you they're realizing they need that too they want that socialization they want to see their team members they want to see their boss they want to hang yeah. out they want to collaborate would you agree yeah. So the interesting, you know, because we're a software company, so software developers during COVID have lived best life, right? <laughs> I mean, software developers, they way over index for introvert. So bringing them into an office is really hard. During COVID, they, they are the ones who always wanted a remote work option, but it's good to have them in the office. I mean, software development is a team sport and it, it's challenging when everyone's virtual. But now that they've been in, you know, at home for 18 months, these are people who, you know, they like the video games, so maybe they'll video game a little bit during the day and they'll code late at night. But, but I think we are doing them a disservice by letting them stay at home. And because I think 
to be a great software developer, you need to be a great collaborator. It's not mm. just about writing code. And so we need to get that group back in the office and we need to drag them, I think. Yeah. Because that, that's going to be the group that's going to be the most resistant. Or really anyone who's, who's more introverted, mm -hmm. right? They've loved COVID in a way because it's like, oh, I can work from home. I don't need the stresses of, of in, human interaction at work. Um, but it's not going to serve them well in their careers. Yeah. To keep them totally isolated, to keep them, Good point. you know, in this, you know, in this bubble of their house. I'm really looking forward to when we can get a lot of people back in the office, collaborating, working together, and even the people who are going to be resistant, like salespeople, salespeople over-index on extrovert, you mm -hmm. know, right? Like, like they're not the hardware, they want to come in the office, yeah. but it's, it's the people who maybe are a little hesitant to coming in the office, yeah. a little shyer. Those are the people who are actually going to benefit the most from being in the office, benefit from the most from being part of the culture. And those are the ones you need to get back because if you don't get them back and show them, hey, this is a, a, a great place for you to be. This is a fun place to work. Um, they're just going to leave. They'll go, they'll go take a bigger salary at another company because if it's all about salary and a paycheck, um, you know, you can go, you can keep you can making more anywhere. money. Yeah. But if it's all about, I like the place I work, I like the people I work with, yep. you got to be kind of together. Yep. Yep. Love it. You know, sitting down with leaders and enjoying a great cocktail while recording this podcast is one of my most very favorite things to do. I enjoy it so much. And I hope that you, our listeners, also enjoy what we do. If you do, I'm going to ask you a quick favor of you. If you could just pause this recording, go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast on and write us a quick review and a five-star rating. It means the world to us, and it will help us to expose this podcast to more people out there. And if you're really feeling us, why don't you go ahead and hit that share button and share this valuable wisdom with just one of your friends. We'd appreciate it. All right, now back to the show. And then, you know, you know also the most important component is the in addition to that is is the communities that you serve, your your customers, your right. clients. And so by helping your employees uh, to be more productive right. and, and more collaborative, you're, you're going to be able to serve your clients better. You're going to be, be able to produce a better product for them. And at the end of the day, as a CEO, I mean, you're, you're entrusted with the company. Right. You're entrusted with... You know, making sure that you guys are serving your your clients, saving your customers yeah. at, at the highest level that you can. So we are in agreement, my friend. I got <laughs> right. a question for you, though, because, you know, I, I want our audience to kind of understand who you are. Right. right. So, you know, and that's what business and bourbon is about. It's about business and beyond. And uh, one of the questions that I always like to ask just so I can understand, because I'm a music guy. Mm -hmm. I'm a music guy. I, you know, I dig I dig music. Those of you that have seen my personal office, whether it's in. Uh, videos on social or whatever, you know, I've got records all behind me because that's what I dig. So I asked you, who do you dig? Who do you, and, and I always start with, it's just hip hop or musician in general. Do you remember who, what your answer was in our, in our free I, show? I remember, but so you said hip hop. Because I <laughs> always start everything with I hip hop. Like, I, I, hip -hop. I, like I was, so I was, I was really close to putting in uh, uh, Biggie Smalls. Yeah. But I was like, but then it said musician. I was like, yeah. well, I can't. So, so I put Bruce Springsteen yes. is my guy. The um, boss. 
So I grew up outside of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Some people call it Southern New Jersey. Yeah. And um, so I'm a Jersey kid, right? And so as a Jersey kid, you know, you love Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi. It's, uh -huh. it's kind of, you have no choice. Uh, but but Bruce is, um, you know, he's just one of those artists for me. I've seen him 30 plus times in wow. concert. And, and it's just, it's like my happy place. It's so fun. And if what he comes it? to Atlanta, I'll take you to a show because I don't think you've ever have you been to a Bruce Springsteen show. I have show? never been to a Bruce Springsteen show. It's kind of like a religious experience. It's I, I love taking newbies to the shows. Yeah, because he plays for like three and a half hours. It's it's just super high energy and it's multi generational, and that's the thing that's the most fun about it. You have people who are twenty years older than me, twenty years younger than me. You know, dads bringing their kids to the show for the first time. It's just, it's, it's a super cool experience. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he, I think he's in his 70s now. So it's like, but he looks this, great, man. This guy is in great shape. But he knows how to, uh, he knows how to perform. He's got a band that knows how to perform and they just bring it every night. And, and you never walk out of a Springsteen show and are like, oh, that was okay. I mean, every, every time I walk out, I was like, wow, that was the greatest Springsteen show I've ever seen. You yeah. know, and every time I go again, it's like, wow, that was the best Springsteen show I've ever seen. So, so I, I love great performers. Mm -hmm. So I will take you up on that. I've never <laughs> been I've never been to a Springsteen show, but I would go because I, I just love yeah. people. I love watching excellence, right? Whether it's sports, mm -hmm. whether it's it's actors, musicians, just people that are really great at their craft yeah. and take it serious is, is fun for me. But... Speaking of spring scene uh, and the E Street Band, so I was uh, watching The Sopranos. I'm a Sopranos guy, like it's so. That's uh, when I think Bruce Springsteen. That's all I can think about. What's the dude's name? The Steve Anzant. Yes, he's all I can think about, man, because <laughs> I love his character in, in in The Sopranos. Those that aren't aware of it, I don't know where, where. I don't know. Maybe if you're younger, I guess they probably haven't seen Sopranos. Sopranos has been off for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They got the movie reboot coming. Oh, I'm excited for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah Sopranos is the kinda, greatest show ever. It's kind of like a, the, the prequel yeah. uh, Tony Soprano situation. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, <laughs> what's your favorite Springsteen song? So, so my favorite song is called Badlands mm -hmm. because when he plays that in concert, it's the most like intense concert experience and joyful concert experience you could ever see. Hmm. It's just it's one of those songs. It's like a big anthem song. Yeah. So Bo he, he closes every show with "Born to Run." "Born to Run" is kind of his signature song, but "Badlands" to me is the song that the the audience goes most crazy for. And I so when I go to Springsteen, I, I always get floor seats, and he doesn't have chairs on the floor, so it's all just open floor. Ooh. And so you so gotta get standing. There, you get there early so you can get a decent spot yeah. on the floor. But when he plays Badlands, it's like everyone on the floor is just jumping up and down. And it's just it's so great. And and it, the song has everything in it too. It's got like, you know, the 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 audience participation, it's got the the big like saxophone solo by Clarence Clemens. It's it's just it's such a great song. So that that's the one in every spring scene show I go to. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that song. So that we're clear, Jeff, um, I'm going to need to be in the Park Mobile suite. That's just, <laughs> no, yeah. No. That's not how I roll. It's just crazy. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So my wife is not, she, she, she really likes Bruce Springsteen concerts, but she's not into being on the floor with all the people. Yeah. I think the last time we went to Springsteen together, she was in a suite <laughs> and I was on the floor. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were, we 
We went to Which the concert. name? Uh, Paige. Paige. Paige and I are going to hang out. So, so Paige. In the suite. I know. Paige and I went to the show. I had the floor seats. She was dreading it. And and as we're going to the show, a friend of her texts like, hey, we're at Springsteen where you have a box. You and Jeff come up. And so we, we go to the show and, she, and she's like, okay, we're going to go up to the box now, right? And I was like, you go up to the box. I'm going to go down for like the first song and I'll come up and meet you. <laughs> and then like, so I go down for the first song and then the second song and the third song. And she texts me. She's like, you're not coming up here, are you? <laughs> and I'm down there on the floor and I meet all these people from New Jersey who travel down for the show. And I was like, this is this is where I belong. Yeah. You, you have fun. I'll yeah. see you after the show. You didn't have a cutoff shirt on, right? No, 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 no. Sleeveless. We're going to sleeve the shirt. <laughs> no, so no. Okay. I don't know. Jersey. That's a more caricature. Like, okay, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> The, the the Springsteen crowd, it's a little like I'm actually on the probably the younger side. For the I bet. Yes. Crowd. It's funny. I think the last time I went to see him, it was probably at State Farm Arena, and I was talking to the guy who who runs all of like the sales. He's like, every CEO in Atlanta is here tonight. I bet. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you have it's no the, idea who's in this it's room. The age group. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite Springsteen song, not that I know very many, but you know, as a kid, like, was born in the USA because right. that was the big. That was the anthem it's on on commercials yeah. and everything and and i've always found that song to be really interesting because it's it's now it's become like a political anthem right and i find it it was it's funny to me because it's like an anti it's an anti-war song yeah. isn't it yeah 100 <laughs> percent. it's it's it was it was about the vietnam war yeah i mean it was a protest song yeah you know, a lot of people looked at it. I was like, yeah, I'm proud to be born in the USA. Yeah. I was like, of course, but you're not listening to the words of the song. Isn't that, the, um, isn't that kind of like just what we do with everything, though? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, you know, doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, born in the USA, you know. Well, it, that's the great thing about Springsteen is like he's got on the surface, there's something for everybody. Yeah. But if you actually dig into, into songwriting ooh. and singer songwriters, you know, you're like, wow, there's some, there's some real meaning in some these depth lyrics. In there. You know, so. So yeah, that's the challenge for you. you go and read some of the lyrics because I, I think you'll it. like it. I, I mean, he really—he's um, a very thoughtful singer-songwriter. I mean, he's kind of like—he's kind of like a Bob Dylan, like for a, a later generation. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the songs he writes are really meaningful. Like the the album that um, was was really meaningful to me is because you know it was uh, the, called the Rising. Which he wrote right after 9/11, mm-hmm. and and all of the songs are about you know what happened that day, and, and it's just a very kind of you know like like someone who was in his you know I was um, in my 20s during you know, when the Twin Towers went down, and I lived in New York you know right down the street. Yeah, you know it was just such a meaningful uh, album for me. Rising on it, Spotify no Siri. I got to tell Siri <laughs> Siri right. Rising added to my playlist. So, hey, you know, Jeff, we have a lot of, we, we're fortunate to have a really awesome community and a really awesome audience. Um, and I think a lot of, we've, we've got a, a large audience of, of millennials, millennials. I'm like, we're millennials. That's what I mean. We're like youthful. We're Gen Xers. But, you know, we're like, <laughs> we're youthful Gen Xers. Um, and so I always like to make sure that we serve our full audience, right? Like, and part of that is imparting wisdoms from people like you to those younger generations and kind of helping them through some of the challenges that that they might be going through. Um, And so, you know, I know that you had shared with me that, you know, kind of coming out of school, you had some challenges initially getting, getting a job, right? right? Um, 
which I know a lot of people struggle with that. They, they spend all this time in school and they get out and they're like, you know, and now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm a grown up. I got to get a job. <laughs> right. Um, what was, first of all, what was that challenge like for you? Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, and I think it brings a ton of value because Jeff, like it or not, you're a guy that a lot of people look up to. They want to be you. So I would love for you to share what that experience was coming out of school for you. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't just school. This was this was graduate school, graduate right? School. So um, I, I graduated undergrad from American University, got a job in advertising in New York City, worked for five years, decided I wanted to go back, get my MBA. So I went to, went to Emory, uh, so two great years at Emory. Um, but then I came out of school in 2003. Mm-hmm. And this was right after the, the dot-com bust and... There just weren't a lot of jobs, and especially for, you know, MBAs who were looking to make, you know, good salaries. And so I, uh, you know, I took a job that was really kind of a compromise job. It was kind of this job in selling uh, floor mats with college logos on them. Nice. All right. That was yeah. my first job out of, out of business school, um, which was just really frustrating because you go to business school and you're like, all right, I'm going to be a captain of industry. I'm going to work at <laughs> You know, you're in business no, you're in, in Atlanta. You're like, I'm going to work at Coke or Home Depot. It's going to be amazing. Um, but there were just no opportunities. So I took this job, you know, and I, I worked there a couple months. I was like, what am I doing here? I, this is just, this is not what I was supposed to do. I have to quit this job and I have to go find the right job that's appropriate for someone who just came out of an MBA program. And I really thought at the time, I'll get a job very quickly. And I said, I, had, I was in New York City before business school. I'm going back to New York. I have a good network there. I'll, I'll go up there, and I will find a job very quickly. And so I, I quit my job. I moved out of my apartment in Atlanta, you know, went up to New York, uh, ended up living with my parents in New Jersey because, I, you know, I didn't have an income, so I couldn't afford rent anywhere. Uh, you know, I left my girlfriend uh, who was here in Atlanta and I said, don't worry, I'm going to get a job in New York, and you're going to come up uh, to New York after I get my job. And she was still at Emory in business school. And so, so I went to, so I was living with my parents. I was about 30 years old, and I was unemployed. And I, I, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I, I mean, it was, it was the low point. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, had, I was trying to get jobs. I was dropping my resume. Yeah. I was... I was taking the train into the city every day, just trying to, you know, going on interviews, talking to recruiters. Uh, but I, I just, I had nothing going on. And, you know, after a couple months, it starts getting scary. You're like, I, I'm living with my parents. I'm 30 mm-hmm. years old. And I was watching, um, I was watching Seinfeld one night, famous Seinfeld episode uh, that they call The Opposite. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so George on Seinfeld, are you a Seinfeld guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so George you know, is always the, the lovable loser, right? And he, he's just so frustrated with his life. And he, he's at the diner with Jerry and Elaine. And Jerry says, you know, George, if everything in your life is wrong, you should just do the opposite. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and, um, and so he's, he's sitting there. He's like, yeah, what does that mean? And then there's a woman that's kind of at the counter and she looks over at George and Elaine goes, George, go talk to that woman. And George goes, Elaine, bald men with no jobs who live with their parents <laughs> don't approach strange women. I was like, 
that just describes me perfectly. <laughs> Bald men, no jobs left with their parents. Uh, and so I was like, I was like, something has to change. And I, I watched that episode. I was like, I need to do the opposite. I need to, to change up what I'm doing here in my job wow. search, right? And I just said, okay, wh what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm just like on the job boards all day, dropping resumes, hoping someone calls me, trying to get in touch with recruiters. I was like, I need to like put my networking into overdrive. I need to call everybody I used to work with in New York. I need to be up there having lunches, coffees, networking with people. Stop, yeah, stop taking a passive and, approach. And, and, yeah, and I, I was taking the very conventional approach to just like, there's an online job, I'm gonna post yep. my resume. There's another online job, I'm gonna post my resume. And I said, no, that's not how I'm gonna get a job. And so I dug deep into like all my contacts and it turned out uh, there was a woman I worked with uh, before I left New York she had moved to a different advertising agency and she was the head of HR there and it turned out they had openings. And she brought me in and I got a job. And, and so that was my, finally after six months, I was employed. <laughs> and, and, and that was really the start of the kind of post MBA career. But I think the, the lesson for me in that experience was that in your, in your career journey, you will have uh, very high points and very low points. And the key is when you hit those low points, not getting so down and frustrated. Yeah. The Seinfeld wisdom is really good here. It's like, if what you're doing is not working, you do have to do the opposite, or at least you have to make a big change. You have to try different things. And that really helped me. And so I was able to get that job in New York, move into the city. My girlfriend uh, followed me from Atlanta up to New York. We're now married, we have two kids. But, but that was really um, kind of the, the time in my career where, <laughs> where you know, being 30 and having no job is, is, really, is really something that's very stressful. So um, so made it through that, and, and uh, I guess the rest is history. What a great story, man. You know what I heard in that? I heard, you know, I think so many times in our lives, we put things on the autopilot. Like, you did what you are supposed to do. You went to school, you went to, you went to undergrad, you went to business school, and... And, you know, and now and you were kind of on autopilot, but I'm a resume, you know, of course people are going to want to hire me. There's so much more that's under our control if we take a more of an, an aggressive approach to our own success. And that's what you did. You're like, okay, I'm kind of, I've been waiting for this and I kind of been putting out these resumes, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to activate my network. I'm going to start going after people and, and talking to these people that are, are in my network and creating my own opportunity. I can identify with that on so many levels. Um, different than you, because mine has been more all entrepreneurship based, but like, you know, doors have not been opened. And I opened my own doors. Right. I created my own opportunities, you know, and that's essentially what you did. You went and you took, you stopped taking, not that you were taking a passive approach, you were just taking the normal approach. You said, you know what, I'm gonna get in the bird dog seat and I'm going to find it and make it happen. I think that's a terrific lesson for anyone at any, at any yeah. stage, whether you're coming out of school or whether you're just looking to make that that change in your in your life. You know, you're wanting to to go to to, to move to the next level, whatever. You know, not waiting for something, but going out there and getting it. I love that. Yeah, Good share, man. And you know, later in my career, I was in a job that uh, where where I felt stuck. Yeah. Right. And sometimes people get in these jobs. Yeah, I was in a, a good company. But I wasn't moving up, right? And it was it was a similar thing. We said, okay, you know, I, I had 
spent so much time at this company just doing the work and really trying to, to help build the business, right? And at some point, at some point, um, I, I wanted to get a promotion. Yeah. Right? I wanted, to, I wanted to move up. I wanted to get to kind of the next level in my career. And, um, and it just wasn't available for me really at that company. You know, so at that time, I'd been in this company for five years, and I realized, I was like, man, I was a marketing manager at that point in my career. I was like, I want to be a VP of marketing. I want to be a CMO someday. So I can't just be a marketing manager my whole career. And so I said, you know, I have to make, I have to move out to move up. It was one of those things in your career. And, but, but I found because I was a marketing manager, um, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to move up. Right, because people saw in my resume, hey, it's a you're a marketing manager, Jeff. Uh, you can't be a VP of marketing. Uh, but I said, well, look at what I'm doing. Look at the budget I'm managing. Look at the team I'm managing. I think I'm in some companies I'd probably be a VP of marketing or a senior VP. And but but because I didn't have that title, yeah, uh, I couldn't get the job. But then then I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to just go do a lateral move, and I'll go be a marketing manager somewhere else where I see growth opportunities. And so I went to look at these marketing manager jobs. I was talking to recruiters and they said, Jeff, we'd love to put you up for a marketing manager job. What's your salary range? And I said, well, it's about this. They're like, what? <laughs> like, we, you, you can't be a marketing manager making that. And so I was in this catch 22 where I was like, my salary was, was probably too high for a marketing manager, yeah. but I didn't have the title to be a VP. Yeah. And so what do you do? Well, in some cases you're just like, well, maybe I just give up. I'll just stay at this company for my career and I'll, I'll make it work. And you know, they're, they paid me reasonably well, so I was like, "That's cool." But what I, what I realized in that is that if if you don't define yourself, right? If you don't define yourself, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. So I was letting myself be defined as a marketing manager because that was my title on a resume. Mm -hmm. Like, how stupid is that, yeah. right? Um, and so I said, "I need again going back to the Seinfeld thing. I need to do the opposite. I need to position myself not as a marketing manager, not as my current title, but about." I need to position my brand as what I am, which is a marketing executive. Like everything about me was a marketing executive, but my title was marketing manager. And so like I needed to reposition myself. So how do you do that, right? That's not an easy thing to do. I said, well, I need to find forums where I could tell people I'm the marketing executive. I need to tell people about this. I need to build my own brand. I can't wait, like have a resume do it for me. And so I started um, speaking at industry events. I started writing a blog, right? And as I started doing those things, people started saying like, oh, that guy Jeff actually, he actually knows something. <laughs> he actually, he's a marketing leader. And after six months of actually investing in my personal brand, suddenly the phone started ringing. And people were saying, hey, I heard about you. Do you want to talk to this company about a VP job? Wow. So I, before it was like, I was letting everyone else define me. Then I started defining myself as a marketing executive, right? And suddenly start, things started to happen. Mm. And that has served me very well in my career. Because like the biggest thing you have to do is you have to put yourself in a position where you can be successful, right? And if, if in your current company, you're not getting to where you want to be, you got to move. But you're only going to be able to move to the job you want if people understand what you're all about and what you can bring to the table. And they're not going to even look at you if all they see is a title on a resume. God, that's so powerful. Listen, folks, as you can tell, we have a tremendous time on the podcast. 
We have such a fun time hanging out, having some cocktails and talking business. Can you imagine what that would be like in person if you were hanging out there with us in person, sitting in the table right next to me? Well, guess what? You don't have to imagine. Yeah, we're doing it. Business and Bourbon is touring and we want you to come out and see us. What you need to do is go to businessandbourbon.live. Go ahead and enter your information into our website and we'll let you know when we're coming to your city. What you can expect is an awesome event where other business and bourbon listeners in our community, we're going to come together and we're going to network. We're going to have a great time, enjoy some good whiskeys, talk a little business and beyond. Can't wait to see you guys there. So make sure go to business and bourbon. Dot live. Get your free membership. Make sure that you're in the house when I'm in your house. That is so powerful. Listen, guys, I want you to rewind that. Go ahead and hit that on the podcast. <laughs> hit that 30 seconds back and listen to that again. How many are you are being defined or letting someone else define you, letting your company define you and not taking control of your image, taking control of how the world sees you. Like one of the things I really like about you, Jeff, is I've seen from afar, I've seen how active you are um, on social and on and really taking control of that, that image. This is something that I preach to people all the time. Like there's an opportunity that you have in corporate. People think that it's just that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, like you can take control of your image and, and, and present what you want to present in the world. But I would submit that much like you've already shown the example, if you're in corporate and you've got a great opportunity right now to take advantage, present yourself the way that you want to be presented, not only will it make your company look great, right? Because you're a reflection on them, but it will open up other potential opportunities to you. Like in, in your case, I love that, man. Guys, do that. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting. So if you want to be a VP of sales, you want to be a chief marketing officer, if you want to be a CEO, one thing you have to ask is, okay, what is, what's required to do that job, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you figure that out? Well, it, it's actually, it's amazingly easy to figure it out. You go on LinkedIn or Indeed and you look at job descriptions for CEO, you look at job descriptions for CMO, you look at job descriptions for chief revenue officer. What are they, what's required in those jobs? It tells you right there, right? And so what you have to do is say, okay, to be a CMO, you have to have strong experience building brands, be really good with data, be a great communicator, uh, effectively lead a team, be fluent in marketing technologies. And those are the five key things they're looking for. You have to say, all right, uh, can I deliver on those five things today? And if you can, that's great. You have to tell people that you can, right? So maybe you write a blog about all those things. Uh, or if you can't deliver on them, you have to start getting the experience. So at some point you can say you can't, right? Well, and so that's a great exercise, looking at the resume, uh, looking at the job descriptions for the roles you want and starting to fill those gaps in your own experience. And so like when I, when, when I was trying to get to the CMO, that was my goal. I wanted to be a CMO. Um, I looked at every day I was looking at CMO job descriptions, like yeah. what's in these job descriptions? And I realized I had done everything that they required, <laughs> right? I had all the experiences that they were looking for for a CMO. But nobody knew because I, I had no forum to tell that story. And so I started writing a blog and I wrote one blog post a week for a year. 
And that's actually hard to do because you know, blog posts about 500 words, writing 500 words a week is yeah. challenging, um, especially when you're a full-time, have a full-time job and a family. But I made the time and I wrote one blog post a week and that more than anything started showcasing my expertise. So I could, I could write a blog, I could post it to my LinkedIn. Sometimes blogs got you know, tons of engagement, sometimes they didn't. But it really started building my brand around this executive marketing profile. And so that, that's my advice for anyone. It's like figure out what you have to do to get to the role you want and then start building your personal brand around that so people understand, yeah, you can do it. You are doing it. You've been doing it. And, and really, it, that's the only way to get that, that out there. Because honestly, bullet points on a resume, nobody reads. Yeah. Right? I always tell people, if, if your LinkedIn profile looks like your resume, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're doing it wrong. So you have to look at your, your experience and you have to make it really high impact. So people who are looking for people who can do great branding, who can do great lead generation, they're like, oh, that's the guy. I read a blog post about that. You yeah. wrote about it, right? So, so you started with the blog. Right. What would you recommend for someone that's, that's listening to you right now and they're like, buyer, I love this. What should I be doing here in 2021? Right. Should, should it be a blog? Should it be video content? What, what should it be? You have to try a lot of things. So I started with two things. I said, uh, I'm going to write a blog and I'm going to try to speak at some industry events. Right. Th those are my two things. So I always liked public speaking and I thought I was reasonably good at it. So I, I said, all right, but how do you speak at industry events? Right. Like, like people ne don't know. Well, if there's an event near you or there's an event, even a national event, uh, they all have calls for speakers. So you go to their website and you submit, you submit a topic and sometimes they'll pick you, sometimes they won't. But, but I think my first speaking gig I had, uh, you know, I was just, I was like, I got to get into my personal brand. I want to reposition myself as a marketing executive. And I was looking for marketing events in Atlanta and I found an event and I said, yeah, they had, you know, they had uh, a topic, but no speakers. And so I just reached out to the organizer. I said, you know, uh, who's speaking at your event? And they said, well, where do you work? And I said, well, I work at, you know, I worked at time at Autotrader. They said, well, do you want to speak? Autotrader is a great company. We'd love to have you speak at our event. And so I spoke at this event and the event happened to be hosted by um, Advertising Age. Yeah. And so an editor from Advertising Age was the moderator. And after the event, he came over to me and said, hey, we're starting to get this blog on our uh, Advertising Age, you know, website going, would you contribute? So suddenly I'm, I'm, I'm you know, speaking at events, I'm writing a, a blog that's being published on a national magazine, and those things just start to go. And, and I really found that there was a snowball effect. The, the more I put myself out there, the more opportunities came my way. And so I think for people who work at companies and you're just like, you know, I'm just here, I'm gonna grind it out, and I, you know, I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna do, do it well, and everything will take care of itself. I hope that works out for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> but for everybody else, you have to put yourself out there. You have to think about your personal brand because listen, careers are, you get one chance at your career, right? And if you don't take it seriously and really focus on your personal brand and focus not just where you are today, but where you wanna be and building towards that, you're gonna probably be pretty disappointed. Wow, I'd add one thing, guys. Let people know you're going out there like like Jeff did doing speaking engagements, finding speaking engagements. Let the world know what you're doing. 
you know, let the world know. So post about it um, so that that extended network can grow and intentionally grow your network in that direction that you want to grow. Right. So like, let's say you want to you want to be a CMO. Well, you should be connecting with people that are in that world. Right. Not just randomly connecting with with whomever out there, because the way these algorithms work and the way the system works, the more that you connect with those type of people, guess what happens? More of those people come into your world. And now more of those people are seeing that, hey, look, this person knows what they're talking about. This person is someone that that could potentially benefit our organization. And then next thing you know, you're the CEO of Park Mobile. Not next thing you know. It takes... It takes some time. So, so Jeff, that was such a fire share, yeah. man. I mean, you've got so much, so much just great nuggets to share. I could do this for like three, <laughs> four hours with you. Um, but I know you're like, oh, I don't got three, four hours. I got work to do. <laughs> One of the other questions that I wanted, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you already shared some things that you did earlier in, in your career that kind of got you to where you're at today. And I want to ask you, now that you're where a lot of people want to be, okay, you're the example. You're like the movie script, right? It's like, okay, CEO, 2.1 kids, man, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, you and I know it's not that simple. So how do you, I mean, you've got a family, you're running a company, you've got a lot of responsibility. What do you do to stay sane? What do you do to be able to continue to serve all the people that depend on you on a daily basis? You have to be very um, conscious of how much time you have in the day. Yeah. Right. So you can't do you can't do everything. Um, I, I always like to say you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So you have to be very um, very intentional with what you focus to spend your time on. And so for me, you know, I really focus on, you know, a lot on my family. Um, you know, I'm up 6 a.m. every day getting my kids, you know, together so they can get out uh, and get to school. Then I spend some time on myself, so I work out every day. So I want to make sure I'm not, you know, I mean, you know, the, you could always let your physical fitness lapse, but I want to make sure that um, I make that time every day to just take care of myself. I mean, being a, a C-level executive is, uh, is grueling in a way. And, and being both mentally and physically fit really helps. Um, I mean, I always tell people, I was like, I, I think if, if I were to trace um, some of my success back to like when I really started committing to like fitness, I, I mean, I, I think fitness has really helped me personally. It, it's like, it, it keeps you sane. It manages your stress levels. Yeah. Um, you just feel better. You have more energy, you have more creativity. So I always make time uh, for physical fitness. Uh, but you know, like like any busy exec, I, I I you know I have a Peloton in my <laughs> house. So I, every morning I'm either on the bike or the treadmill doing a Peloton class. Um, Isn't Peloton awesome? Peloton's great. <laughs> so my leaderboard name, if anyone uh, is a Peloton person, is uh, Bald Guy. So you come ride against me, but I'm pretty good. Bald so. Guy, what? Uh, just bald guy. That's it. I'm I'm you OG. On, get that? I'm OG on Peloton. Jeez. Now there's like bald guy. You know, I 55. bet. That's all I'm like. <laughs> um, but but I was the original bald guy. I mean, I got the bike really early on. Yeah. So I was one of the you know probably first. I think I think I'm in the first ten thousand customers of, of Peloton. Wow. So I've had that bike for a while. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, keeping yourself physically fit, and then then the last thing is is just it's going all in, and and I think as an executive. 
people look to you to as the example and and honestly it's like i mean i put a lot of energy a lot of passion into the into the company and uh because i, I you know i love it i love what i do i love the business i i love the brand and and if i don't love it you know no one's going to love it right so so i try to really set that example i want to make sure that the people in the company know that you know hey you know jeff bleeds green for park mobile yeah. and um if you go and on wears my green socks, yeah, I, I, socks do, I do have my green socks on. And if you go on to um, my LinkedIn page, there's a video of me um, as, a, as a character called Captain Park Mobile. Um, <laughs> I got to check that we, out. We, yeah, it's, it's horribly embarrassing. And I've realized that I... They, no spandex, right? They, they, put, you know, <laughs> no. they put me in one of those green uh, morph no. suits, <laughs> which, which um, I mean, I'm in pretty good shape, but now I'm not in No good one's in good enough shape for that, that bro. <laughs> Uh, but but it was uh, some of the the staff at the company thought you know like Jeff is like Mr. Park Mobile so let's make him into a superhero. That's and cool. then we made a video about it for April Fool's Day one year, um, which which was great. But but yeah, I mean I, I just love it, man. Because I, I mean listen, it's both with my company and, and Atlanta. I mean I, I'm a big cheerleader for the city because it's like you know who you want to be in a place, you want to work in a place that's great. Yeah. And, and you know when. Things are going great. I mean, Atlanta's on fire, right? It's like two weeks ago we had Mailchimp sell for twelve billion, Roadie sold to UPS, Stored raised ninety million dollars. Um, it's great to be in a place that things are happening. Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing the businesses take off. So that's just super fun, man. First of all, Jeff, I'm not joking. I I could do this with you for three hours, dude. Such fire today. Such fire. I really want to thank you for being part of this, man, and, and, and sharing your journey, sharing some advice, sharing some direction, uh, so many nuggets that people are going to really benefit from. Um, I want to, if, if you could just leave, again, you're very active on social and beyond. Where can people connect with you? Where do you want them to follow you? Where, do you want, where can they check for you? Right. So the best place is probably my LinkedIn. Um, it's uh, I think it's just Jeff Perkins one is the the LinkedIn profile. That's probably the best place, and and I share just about every day something on LinkedIn. Yeah, and, and so so check that out if you're interested. I also just released a book. Uh, so the Go book get is, the book. The book is called uh, How Not to Suck at Marketing. <laughs> so it's kind of a survival's guide for careers in, in marketing, uh, and and so that's. Uh, Another way you can just kind of hear some of the same things I've been Where talking about. Where can they about. get the book? The book is available on Amazon. Uh, so just go there. You could buy the Kindle or, or the paper. Have you done your audio yet on that? Or? I have not done the audio, but I think that's coming up next. So I'm, nice. I'm super excited for that. Guys, I have my copy. You must get yours. Um, <laughs> Jeff is going to sign it for me before we leave today. <laughs> <laughs> but go get your copy of that. Um, Jeff, this has been so much fun, man, and and I want you to know that you are always part of the Business and Bourbon family, and I look forward to doing this again because I feel like, wow, there was so much great wisdom that you shared. There is more. There's left. There's more left to do and more that I'd like to get out of you. I don't know, man. In the community. No, dude. it all up today. No, 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 no. There are nuggets here. So thank you again for joining me, my friend. It was a great time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you are following my guy Jeff. Make sure that you're following Jeff on 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 LinkedIn. Make sure that you're connecting with each other with intentionally. Take some of these lessons that you heard from this. Work on building your brands. Get on the Business and Bourbon Live 
uh, live website if you haven't already. Uh, make sure that you're a member there. Make sure that you're connecting not with just fellow business and bourbon uh, members, but our, our leaders like Jeff that are part of the community, man. Get on there. Be part of it. Grow your business. Do better business through building deeper relationships. That's what we're about. So with that said, thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you, Renell. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.